This is the Making Books podcast. I'm author Polly Ho Yen, and this is a podcast documenting the often slow, sometimes agonising, but also, let's face it, ridiculously exciting art of creating books. Each week, I'll be talking to a writer, illustrator, or industry expert about what their life is really like when they've dedicated it to making books. Hello and welcome to episode six of the Making Books podcast. This week I am talking to an absolute dynamo, Jenny McLaughlin. She started out writing young adult novels, moved into middle grade writing um, and now has turned her hand to illustrating and writing um books for younger children that kind of younger middle grade kind of space um so we spend oh we go into great detail talking about that journey of the books that Jenny has made and how she approaches it um we also spend a lot of time just kind of uh, reminiscing on our childhoods and how we think that fed into the writers that we've become now so enjoy here's Jenny McLaughlin I forgot to add a little disclaimer that in this episode you will hear Jenny swallowing a fly this was recorded on zoom so there is there is a moment where it sounds like it's cut out for just a second and carries on again so it's very authentic zoom recording is there anything else i needed to tell you about that's it swallowed a fly there's a slight zoom cut out we mentioned a watch that um i bought after i met jenny for the very first time just shamelessly um copying her um, my little style icon there and Jenny and I first met uh, a couple of years ago at uh, Appledore Festival um, so we referenced that a little bit okay that's all the information here you go thank you so much I, and welcome I like to your podcast. thank you very much I like your microphone you look like you're on a radio show from the 50s in America it's really cool I know I do feel a little um yeah beat it up sorry I should we should do a proper I, I ruined your hello then no no I, I actually much prefer that so you <laughs> haven't ruined it but I yeah I quite enjoy the kind it. of like yeah gentle rambling um approach okay. so that's good that's how... fortunate <laughs> good well that's why yeah that's why I wanted to speak to you <laughs> yeah <laughs> but how are you how was things where how what are you up to right now I was just looking wow at, like I was just looking at all the books you've written and just thinking, how on earth did she do all of that? <laughs> so we'll come to that. But how are you today? <laughs> I'm good. Well, I, I guess that's connected to how I feel. I did have a message from a woman, from a, a mother of children who read my books, a woman. And she simply said, my, my children love your books. I'm so glad you're prolific. You are prolific. You are prolific. <laughs> and, and I said that... I imagine my children would rather I wasn't quite so prolific. <laughs> I think yes, no, I, I, I do. The um, the reason I'm so prolific is, as I'm sure you know, and any writers who are listening, I imagine illustrators, it might be similar. Um, getting published is only half the challenge, and staying published, <laughs> it's like climbing to the top of a mountain, and you get up there and you think, yes. I made it and then you look over and you see that there's actually 10 more miles of mountains <laughs> you've got yeah. to climb so I mean I suppose it's also I've got a lot of ideas and I love doing it yeah but so the combination of 
knowing that you've got to, and unless there's a, very, there's a few authors or illustrators, I imagine, who, who are very lucky, aren't there? And they're just, something happens or their book is published just the right time. But for most people, it's a question of working very hard. Yeah. And tenacity and not giving up. Um, yeah. And, and I think that although I've written, um, I've got my oeuvre, is that how you pronounce it? Yeah. Oeuvre in front yeah. of me now. that's egg egg in French in front of me right now and although you know they range from my books range from dragons to realistic I'm doing inverted commas my hands (laughs) realistic books set in secondary schools to early readers about pets they do have a a pretty strong common theme which is about um, children I do wonder if all children's authors are trying to work through something in their childhood again and again and again. Oh, we won't dig well, into if, if that's the reason. I've why gone you're heavy. So prolific. I know I? you have, but, but I was good. very shy, quiet, observant child, and you know, w- watching the world go by. So, I think that that makes makes for uh, probably a quite um an intuitive children's author a watchful child yeah soaking it all up so when mm. you were little when you were wee what yeah would did you think you would ever be a writer or what was your dream jobs back then well I lo- I did secretly think I'd like to be a writer did I have I gone totally off tandem from your first question but I don't want to I mean I want to answer that question but oh. you just say what am I up to does that matter well, no, it doesn't matter. Absolutely. Okay, Basically, good. Okay. Well, this is chronological, down. isn't it? So that's good. Let's start at the beginning. Um, I I wanted to secretly, and I spent hours not writing because I found writing really hard and it made my hand ache. <laughs> and there was no way I could get what was in my head to come alive through writing because it was just an impossibility. I might start, but before my character had got out of bed, I'd have got weary with the yeah. with the activity. <laughs> and grammar. Um, yes, yeah, and I, might, I can remember this really clearly, actually, one English lesson at school. I had an idea for this. Oh, I loved it in my head. It was this fantasy story involving mirrors. and I, I was so into it. And I am having a little egotistical thought, thinking oh, maybe, maybe it will become a proper... But... I hadn't even got to the, even the tiniest best bit of my story when I was ready to quit. So <laughs> I don't think I never thought I would become an author, although I loved, absolutely yeah. love reading. And I spent hours drawing, yeah. hours and hours drawing and reading. So those are the two things I did all the time and playing. And definitely when other people would have stopped we're talking 13, 14. And I came up with cunning reasons to be able to keep playing. So I I collected a doll's house. So (laughs) I can, I could make miniatures. I've spent a long time making very realistic little miniatures. Um, Jenny, this, this really, I feel like I'm just nodding because I'm like, I I just, (laughs) yeah. And I'm nodding my head. I'm telling you that I'm nodding. I'm telling the listeners I'm nodding. Because I just feel that you've just, it feels like you're telling the story of my childhood. I felt exactly the same. Having that excitement of a story idea, mm. feeling it kind of, feeling it so strongly and then not really being able to, to put it down on paper. But I think that that energy of that idea mm. and that kind of creation is like, it's very, it's well, it's kind of addictive, I suppose. But also I think what I found was when I started writing as an adult, 
I was like, oh, it's exactly the same feeling yeah. as I had when I was seven or six or eight. Or And, and, uh, and it was yeah. also kind of undervalued when you're young, I think, because it's that, that it's like being really good at playing. I don't think, because I can remember really clearly thinking I wasn't particularly good at things at school. I mean, I know for certain I wasn't good at some things like maths. I found them really hard. But I I didn't think that, I now look back and realise that actually I was probably unusually good at imaginative things. And, yeah, yeah. and people would say, oh, you're a good drawer. I had that. But what I was really probably good at is I was making models, making dolls, playing these really elaborate games. And you know, you'd sit in assembly and you'd watch people getting a certificate for being in the majorettes. You're younger than me. That probably never happened to you. <laughs> but they were the people you used to throw batons around. Oh, right. And uh, it, maybe it was an Eastbourne thing. They'd twirl batons. I was so impressed with them. Or people who'd been in the netball team or people who could. I can remember there was people who could skip a lot. That was a big thing. Skip Spell a lot. really well. Yeah, <laughs> skipping. <laughs> So I didn't I didn't think this thing I could do and was and loved doing had much value or would be very useful at all, except for babysitting. I was an amazing babysitter. So I would I have about had about 18 families in my books when Whoa. I was about 18 or 19. They're probably younger than that, actually. Been, I started when I was 13 being a babysitter. Can oh you imagine my goodness. that now? It's probably illegal now. <laughs> but I but I loved it. Because prolific babysitter as well. <laughs> yeah, prolific babysitter, prolific writer. But I would obviously play these, ma- you know, these games with yeah. these children, these incredibly yeah. involved games. So oh, I, yeah, big so imagination. Lovely. And then yeah. I sort of went. I, then I feel I went like to... I want to make you a certificate now, Ginny. I'm going to put one in the post for your imagination. Um, that would be nice. Imagination yeah. twirling. Yeah. It's well. The thing is, it's all in your head. No one can see it unless you can find a way to bring it out to share with people. You can't. No one can see that imagination. I mean, you're sure my mum and dad knew. I'm sure there were lots of Jenny's imaginative. Yeah, and the kids that you're babysitting as well. Yeah. Also, I think it's really important at that age to to purely imagine and for there not to be an output. I mean, you know, you can you can start to play around with that. Well, it kind of ruins it, doesn't it? It can. (laughs) When you're that age, it can. Yeah. So like all of that, all of that, I mean, it's, it is actually work, you know, all of that work that, that mm. you can't actually see anything for it is like very, very valuable. I mean, I love doing workshops. I'm sure you, mm. I'm sure you do too. Yeah. And you're brilliant at them, but you know, when you can just see that light in a kid's eyes, they've got this sort of crazy idea. And yeah. as they tell you, you're thinking, oh, wow, this is, this is, I'm not sure if the, you're going to get this down, but actually the important thing is this fire that you have right now. Yeah, they. I I do like that. There's um when they realise that the main workshop that I do and I absolutely love doing it is a map making one of a fantasy world, and my aim is to to try and get the children to tap into that magical thing that can happen in your head that you will know you know you know about when if it's just growing this thing is growing in your head really quickly and get them to get it down on paper but not really worry about what it looks like yes or if yes. anyone else can understand what it means yes exactly. so sometimes you'll stand next to children and 
you'll just see a mass and I use stamps as well so it's just this mass of scribbles and pigs and sheep and um clouds I mean, that, and- yeah I mean that's that almost sounds pretty conventional I I, I feel like I always have some talking food in any workshop I do. Yeah. there's always a talking Dorito or a talking chip or you well, know I, I did one the other day and this boy had drawn some really tiny little people and I said who are they and he said well they're just the funky little guys <laughs> of course they are of course they are so that's brilliant and there is not really they're never going to be marked put on the wall discussed or shared they're just for them when they can put them on the wall if they like I I just love I love doing it it's brilliant isn't it we are lucky we get to do these things I know I know yeah as a teacher you don't it's not it was rare to have that sort of freedom to yeah exactly encourage chaos and mayhem I know I love doing that I absolutely love it yeah we are lucky that we're able to be part of that um so okay so I'm I'm I've got uh, thank you that was brilliant I've got this lovely vision of you imaginative being this in very much in demand babysitter what happened next well I definitely had a moment when I was 11 I know like I've gone back slightly here when I made a picture book our teacher asked us to make picture books and I remember thinking this is the happiest I've ever been at school and very quick and thinking oh maybe I could do this for a job and like lightning thinking no it'll never happen Jenny you're not good enough makes me sound very sad doesn't it um but I then I you know I I loved reading so it was I had this moment when I was I did my A-levels and it was English art and politics and I got my best mark in that I think weirdly um and then I and I was ready to either go to university to study English or go and do the art foundation now I'm convinced that if you didn't have to do an art foundation and could have just gone straight to university, I would have probably gone to university to study art, because what I would have, I think what I really wanted to do is illustration. But the idea of staying behind in Eastbourne for one more year, much as I love Eastbourne, when everyone was talking about their halls of residence and things like this, and I also had that snagging feeling that um, I was too conventional to be really good at art. Ah, you know, the, student, yeah. the students in the art, my art classes at A-level who'd really caught the teacher's attention uh, were always doing more um, unconventional art. And I, and I, li- I really love drawing flowers. <laughs> oh, I mean, this is such a recurrent theme that has come up in like almost every episode of just that, that push-pull of feeling like, I want to do this, but I'm probably not good at good enough mm. and it's for other people who are you know in this yeah. realm and born this good born to be authors born to be artists <laughs> yeah and not realizing it's to do with working hard and also are I you... think like you know your fascination with flowers for instance like mm. you know what, what those interests that you have that appeal to you that is gold like that you were really mm. immersed in drawing flowers and that's what you liked and that's what you then you know pushed yourself to do actually that's a super strength to be able to like be led by what you're interested in and to kind of develop that I think uh thank you I like being I've got super strength that's nice I'll make um, you another I, certificate for that yeah thank you <laughs> super strength I think it helps artists writers um to sometimes over exaggerate the their natural gift and when you often you'll hear stories about writers who'll say you know I 
I, you know, I wrote my first book when I was two months old. <laughs> I was in grabbed the womb. A, grabbed a crayon. <laughs> it shot out before I did. <laughs> <laughs> Posted it to the story first. No, but um, I, I think it's, I just think it is true though that, uh, yeah, so many, I do believe everyone who's telling me that, that, you know, I just felt, oh, I don't know, you know, because that's how I felt, 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 yeah. feel. Um, you just think, oh, I don't think I'm good enough. And then no, I know, I know. Well, I think quiet, actually it's really yeah. important. I think the the only thing I've met lots of writers now, I suppose, since I became a writer, and the one thing I think that they seem to have in common is this strange combination of too much confidence and massive insecurity. Yeah, so you've got yeah. To, you've got the confidence to think, yes, this is Possibly. a great idea, and yeah. I'm going to, and then you've got a healthy amount of insecurity so that you keep revising that and you, yes. and, you know you realize your first draft isn't brilliant and yes. you yeah. but is that have I just described every human being in the world no possibly I think, I think you see I think you see it quite sharply um in writers and illustrators um because it's very vulnerable to be making mm. something out of nothing you know you we are kind of putting ourselves in quite a, a vulnerable position um which you know a lot of adults you know it can be quite when you do like for instance when you do an adult workshop it takes a really long time for them to warm up mm. if they haven't been used to creating in that way because yeah. that muscle is oh I don't I'm definitely not good I can't even possibly take a risk here yeah um, but I think you're right they work in conjunction it's healthy to have self-doubt um but I think it's it's just interesting I keep hearing with lots of the interviews I've been doing that at that early age it's that first feeling of like you said like lightning it came to you oh I can't do that mm. I can't possibly um so so sorry I've interrupted you so you uh you yes so okay I can't do this foundation art course it's not the right time I need to get so to I, yeah so I went and did an English degree which I absolutely loved and then tried to resist becoming a teacher for quite a long time because all my family are teachers come from a family of teachers but found myself pulled over to the dark side probably because I knew I'd love it really I think I maybe wanted to do something different but I I suspected I'd enjoy it because I love children and I love their ideas and I and I was I didn't enjoy secondary school at all so I didn't want to train to be a secondary school teacher I thought I'd train to be a primary school teacher remember my epic babysitting but it really wasn't for me because I didn't like having to teach things I wasn't confident in so I wasn't keen teaching maths but I loved the art lessons and the so I actually dropped out of my first PGC course and decided that I would teach sixth form that was my next plan I have I did have a lot of jobs in between lots of random jobs cleaning old folks home auxiliary nurses lots of different things so then I went I did an MA as well and then I knew that I'd have to train at secondary school if I was going to get to the nice safe place of sixth form there weren't many specifically sixth form courses mm-hmm. so I sucked it up but I remember a my friend's mum was a secondary school teacher and she said, you have to do a bit of work experience. I could go into her classroom. And so I went and it was a year 11 classroom. And I, the plan was I was just going to observe or help if I could. She was an amazing woman. She just said, you can do this now. But she was, as soon as I arrived, they were teaching First World War poetry. And I love, I was, that was one of my key things I was looking at during my MA. And she knew this. So she said, 
oh, here's Jenny. She's an expert on First World War poetry. So while I go make a cup of coffee, she's going to tell you everything she knows. <laughs> Be right she back. Walked, she walked out of the room and left me. Oh, with my all goodness. These, and then when you're 11, you know, they were the scary age. But oh. I did love it. And I was, you know, she got back, I'd drawn a trench system. She knew, she chose an absolutely lovely class to do it with. And, you know, but I, from that moment, you know, when you, there were two moments in my life when I felt I've this I'm so at home with a job and one was that moment onwards with working in secondary schools and the other moment was when I went to Winchester Writers Festival and I the first the day I first showed my writing to anyone really at that festival and I was surrounded by all these other writers and that's the other time and I only had this very strong sense of this is going to be my next job I thought mm-hmm. that's been, I've loved doing this, but I feel really at home here. I think that's easy to say with the benefit of hindsight. I really wanted it to be, and luckily it became it. So I was a teacher for um, 12 years, but I suppose within that time, my husband, who was also an English teacher, he was always very keen on writing. And I think it was because of him that I started to write again. And when we we accidentally booked a 10-day holiday in Barcelona because you know when you're choosing flights and you mm-hmm. think oh if I go on this day it's like three pounds cheaper yes. or something forgive me mother earth it was a long time ago <laughs> and um we so we end up we were going for a mini break but then we booked 10 days and we sort of had done all the sites within about five days. And because we're English teachers, we bought notebooks and just sat in cafes. And we didn't have much money and wrote mini sagas. And so they were a hundred words long and would say things to each other, like you have to include this name and this word. And oh, then we'd scribble, scribble, scribble. Glorious. Oh, I love that. And then when our time was up, we would read our story out to each other. And that was the fact that I was only able to write a hundred words. So I, that's when I discovered very, very quickly that the secret I think to writing well is, is just this working hard at perfecting the, the center, the, the words that sounds so basic, doesn't it? Just, you know, because I only could only work with a hundred words, they start to become quite good. And I made him laugh and I and I realised I was able to communicate what was in my mind. Mm-hmm. And I think that was when I started to think I could do it. And I spent a long time then trying to write a very serious literary novel set between the wars about a J.M. Barry type character. I've got a bag full of, it was always rubbish. I tried so hard to do it, but I always sounded like someone trying really hard to write a serious literary, you know, <laughs> um, and um, it's still there in my head, though, the whole thing. Do you do this? Can you just go into, like, like you've got your own personal Netflix? Yeah, yeah. Especially yeah. if I'm on a train or falling asleep at night, I can just hop into a story. Just, oh. che- yeah, check in on it. Yeah, yeah. yeah hang yeah, out there absolutely. for a while. So that story, then, that story still lives within you? Oh, yes, yeah. And I'd like to, I want, maybe one day I'll try, I'll try and write it. I don't think I had the... You know, I don't think I realised, but actually writing a historical novel would have been, has an extra layer of challenge. You know, Absolutely. you have to do your research, yeah. it had multiple. So I didn't realise that all those ideas seemed really clear in my head. I don't think, um, I think it was, you know, it, and also it's just not my voice. It's, I think that's an interesting thing. Sometimes 
how you want to write, how you can write isn't the same as how you, what you want to write. Yeah. So although yeah. I might've wanted to write, have written book a prize winning novel, um, what I could write was teen fiction at that point. I, I think also, I think it sounds like you're, you are very much in touch with like your kind of your gut and your intuition around, you know, you've described those feelings of like, yes, this feels right being at the Winchester writers festival I know this is what I want to do next and that feeling as a child of like those activities that you just really enjoyed I mm. I I only had like a very I had an adult novel before I wrote Boy in the Tower and I got to the point with it where I just realized I really wasn't enjoying the writing of mm. it possibly because I was like you it wasn't the right voice and I was trying to project and do something that I thought I wanted to do but actually it wasn't mm. really possibly me and this that that in, sort of enjoyment engagement sort of light was really dimming and then as mm. soon as I started writing middle grade it was like boom <laughs> back yeah <laughs> this is yeah. it yeah it's lovely it's so lovely and still you're like you I think about that story but I really also mm. remember that that feeling of feeling like it was it felt like such a slog and it, I think you know mm. obviously there is always an element when making books of it feeling hard work hard to see the end but yeah just kind of tuning into when it's like this is so difficult for a reason because it's not working because of that that's one of the hardest things about writing I think is knowing when something's difficult is knowing what to do about it or if it's still trying to do something that just simply won't work yeah so I find I think that's something I grapple with a lot is this part of the process the difficulty and something I've just got to get through. Yeah. Um, a bit like if you come back to introduce the really horrible image in your mind. You know, if you have a norovirus, okay. a, sick, a sickness okay. bug. Yeah, with you. And you're just there and you like, it's at the start, you know, okay, I've got 12 hours. It's going to be awful, but I'll come out the other end of it. Sometimes I feel a bit like that with writing. Yeah. If, it's, if, you're, yeah. if, you're hit, if you hit a really tricky patch, it's just you on your own. <laughs> You've got to get through it. Lock the bathroom door. (laughs) Lie down on the floor. (laughs) No, for sure. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think another thing that struck me from what you were just talking about, how that, you know, when you started to believe you could do it, that hundred words, like I think always coming down to something like making it a very manageable, um, you know, deadline or, or aim or task as soon as you can reduce that into, you know, either the word mm. count or the time, then you can, you know, then if, then you can do it, often you can just do that in that time or that word count and then have that, oh yeah, I can do this. Whereas yeah. that kind of longer stretch can. Well, be, it's interesting, oh. isn't it? Because a lot of people have an, a desire to write a book and sit down to write a book. And I think that would be a bit like, thinking you want you quite fancy running and so you leave the house to run a marathon yeah you're going or, to fail yeah or going back to neurovirus having neurovirus for six months non-stop <laughs> like, you know, yeah, just, yeah. You know, exactly it, it's yeah. really I mean it is it is to to take um a plot of a whole book work out the I mean it's it's one of those things I imagine I always think it wonder if it's a bit like renovating a house it's not something I've do, I've done but I always reckon I could do it. This is, I think, another thing I have, this thing of being like, yeah, yeah, I think I could do it. And then you start and it's much harder than you realise. But writing a book, that definitely for me, when I, because when I really sat down to do it was with my first teenage book. And I've, I've been reading a lot of 
my, when I was a teacher, students really loved Jacqueline Wilson and they really loved Louise Renison. Um, and they'd been coming to me and they, they wanted more funny books or maybe they had at that point, Jacqueline Wilson hadn't, I don't think, done her older books. So her books were more for slightly younger teenagers. And I even took them down to the library saying, I'm sure there's, there'll be some book. Come on, let's go find them. And I realised, and I've got to remember, this was a long time ago. There weren't many funny books for teenagers. Although I'm wondering now if there are that many now as well. But, and I just had that feeling like reading Jacqueline Wilson and Louise Renison, who make it seem effortless, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, thinking, oh, I could do this. And, uh, and then discovering that they'd made it seem effortless by being brilliant at what they did <laughs> they hadn't literally just sat down and <laughs> but again that's a very important step isn't it of just thinking it is possible yes, reading that yeah, book that, I think that's it yeah, yeah. finding I that could story do this. yeah yeah you find you... finding that your gateway book yeah. where, where you think yeah gateway book this yeah. this is I I could hit I could imagine myself doing this and, and what, what was the book for you um, yeah yeah, um, How I Live what? Now by Meg Rossoff. Oh, I love that yeah. book. Oh, I mean. Absolutely love it. And actually, it was interesting. I heard her talk about her gateway book, which is called mm. Poppy, Pobby, P-O-B-B-Y, and Dingham. I think the author's Ben Rice, and it's like a novella. Mm. Um, and so I found that one. And then I could, and I could, so, I could see that relationship between... It'd be interesting to go on a reading journey. Someone should do this, shouldn't we? Collect, go right back, back and back and back to so find out the first story and see how people have taken elements from each one and developed them. Yeah, yeah. And, And you know, I mean, sometimes you don't, sometimes I think it's, you know, I I don't know if it would be easy to see the relationship in some ways between how I live now and Boy in the Tower. But it just, it's just like that firing up of like, oh, I could do this and I'd enjoy doing this and this seems fun and I can... Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then as yeah. you start, like you say, you realise, oh, they're they're very talented. <laughs> like they made yeah. this look easy. Um, yeah. But so so your gateway book was sorry, I've forgotten it already. Well, it was, was it just those just those just those a mashup of all Jacqueline Wilson's books who I, I really admire her effortless storytelling, apparently effortless yeah. storytelling and the way that she just has um a her mind is able to jump, go to a child's place and know what they would like to read about and how to tell a story in a way that they can access it. I loved that. And then I loved the humour in Louise Renison in the first person voice. Yeah. Yeah. One of the I don't laugh out loud much when I'm reading. It might snigger <laughs> to a bit of that of an actual full-on cackle. And I do remember that was something in her book made me really laugh out loud on a train. Shall I tell you what it was? It was um, Louis, what the, so it was um, Angus Thongs and Full Frontal Snogging. And um, she's taken her little sister for a walk in the pushchair and her sister's, I don't know, three or something. And they meet the boy who works at the greengrocers who the main character likes. And out of nowhere, the little sister just shouts out something like, the sister did a big poo. And they shouldn't say my sister. She said, uh, uh, Georgia did a big poo. That was it, I think. That, that is what broke me on a train. Oh, it's so Because <laughs> I just thought there was nothing that could be worse when you were a teenager. 
yeah and meeting, it's, meeting it's, someone you like and the word poo coming yeah. into it in relation to you and it's so utterly totally believable that, that could happen yeah because yeah. you know of course her little sister would know her bowel movements um, and <laughs> want to announce be that interested to the world in yeah i like your watch oh the yellow watch look familiar <laughs> yeah thought i thought and all i thought was I like that. This shows how much I want stuff. I like that watch. I'd like one of those. I, and I have well, one. I know. Well, I, I, yeah, I've, sorry, I forgot that. It's, I, it's literally, I think I ordered it on the way back from Appledore, probably. <laughs> That's the only time in my life I think I've ever been a style icon. Well, you were to me. <laughs> Thank you. I feel, I feel very like soul sistery to you. Everything you're saying feels very like I'm like, yes. Yes, yes, yes. Well, it's lovely, isn't it? Because I want, I also, did, did you think, I, I know I want to shift myself a bit, I'm always a bit conscious of not wanting to be boring in <laughs> yeah. these situations and also not saying the same things again and again. And I don't, I, I want to leave my childhood behind. But there was one other thing I wanted to ask you, which was I definitely f- felt so different to other children and I just, didn't didn't get especially when I was a teenager what they were into and so sometimes I would pretend and I can remember trying really watching Top of the Pops with a notepad and pen to try and (laughs) understand what made what you know why some things were popular and successful so I could then mimic them and learn them and then go into school the next day and I, I suspected that that would be better socially than saying last night I made a tiny bonnet for my doll's house. <laughs> well, yeah, this this but... is all all chiming, all chiming. <laughs> um, not so long ago, my parents have always lived in the same um, um, house, and we've always had the same neighbours, um, next door neighbour, and they sent me a photograph of a little letter that had flown into their garden from um, from me, but it wasn't to them. I'd written, I think this one was written to the fairies. Yes, it was. Oh, this nice. one was written to the fairies. Really small, obviously, so they could read mm. it. And, you know, it wasn't too big for their tiny little hands. And it just said, you know, I'm, I, I'm not, I, I don't be scared. You're very welcome here. Um, please come visit me. You know, I would love to see you. That kind of thing. Now, the damning thing is, is that it was dated and I was 13 (laughs) years old. (laughs) And I wasn't like just 13. I was like, I was almost 14. (laughs) And so, yeah, so I, yeah. You said something else that really chimed to me there as well. And I know I should start talking about my books, but I find this all so fascinating. So who cares? I had a strong desire to encounter or get close to something magical. Yes. So I, yes. that's getting in touch with fairies. I, I can, I can, my brother got a, a, a magic set and I knew it was tricks but I remember getting hold of it. And again, I would have been a bit old to do this. We're sort of probably about 11 or 12. And he had one trick where he could feed paper into a machine and a five pound note would come out. And I got paper and tried to turn it into a five pound note. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but that yes. desire to sort of, to, for something magical to, to make yes. life more exciting. 
And I now realise that something magical does exist. It's writing and books. And it is a kind of magic that you can make these things happen. I had a, a picture book I loved called Someday. I actually have it here because sometimes people say, what's your favourite book? So I never remember the name of it. But there's a, it's, all a, it's a picture book about a, a girl dreaming about things that will happen someday. And someday I'm going to go to school and everyone will say, how beautiful you look today. I wish I had hair like yours. She's got really long <laughs> hair. They're not all shallow. <laughs> someday the doorbell will ring and a big box of books will come for me. But there's one which is someday I will find a room in... There it is. Someday I was going to walk through this very same house and find a room I've never found before. Oh, I, used to, oh, I yeah. love that. Yeah. And I used to, it's my camera on because I can't see me, which is good. I don't want to change it. Can you see me? I can't see you, but I've covered no. my face. So I can't see me either. So if you're okay. happy. Oh, just, I'm happy. Yeah. And um, I spent a long time trying to find a hidden room in my three bed terrace oh, house. For um, sure. But never, but never did. Um, oh, that's a brilliant starter. Well, yeah, I mean, yeah, and then I think it was only like last week I, I was, um, I was making the year sixes. All I was doing a workshop, and I said I always like to, you know, we talk for a bit, we kind of get to know each other, and then there's the part where we're about to do something creative. So I make everybody like do some movement because I just feels like relaxes everybody and mm. like make, mainly for me. <laughs> so I was, and then I, you know, we do a few things, and then I say, does anyone want to do any move? You know, anyone got any suggestions for a little movement we can do? And then someone said, why don't we, um, like really pretend that we can fly? And and instantly I could feel my brain going, maybe I will fly. Maybe if I, <laughs> I haven't tried that. <laughs> no. If I, if I flap hard it. enough, maybe I'll take off, you know, yeah. at 39 did, years did old. Did you think you flew down the stairs when you were little? I say the stairs because that's the most, because I have a clear memory of flying down the stairs. Uh, I, know, I, do. I know I made it up. I just, just, yeah, just, I don't... just make this clear. But... <laughs> I, know I, do, I, I, I have my flying dreams were very strong so mm -hmm. I sort of I had my suspicions that possibly they could have happened and it wasn't really a dream but I don't remember doing it you know I don't remember doing it awake but I sort of thought maybe it was all a bit of a, a subterfuge that this whole dreaming thing and all yeah. this stuff was really yeah. happening I also really tried to um make myself have like dream like uh, hoping that things would come in with dreams so I'd think really hard or or send letter I did a lot of letter requests <laughs> letter <writing. laughs> to like ask uh, there was like a huge um quite disgusting plastic massive dinosaur that was like a at the garden center down the road from um from us mm. at that the slide was the tail so it was like really yeah. really big and then you could slide down the tail and I I put a lot of effort into trying to make that become real and visit me at night and etc mm. I think Sounds I think the thing scary I know it was it was nice but I think again yeah. it's that thing so linked to stories is like if you believe it strongly enough it feels mm. even when something doesn't come true like I don't remember the fairies visiting me but I feel closer to them somehow <laughs> mm. because of that connecting and putting that energy into yeah. that imagining and that um when when you were telling me about the letter and this is an unfortunate side effect of being a writer I was straight away trying to turn it into a book well and when you told me about the the room yeah the room in the house <laughs> aren't we awful I know sorry let's see, so, let's see a couple of years time <laughs> And that's why writers themselves. never tell their very best ideas, do they? They always keep them secret because they can't 
risk yeah. it. But I don't think I no. do. I tell everyone everything. Maybe we should collaborate. We should collaborate. Let's on collaborate. Yeah. Let's that combine the, the two. Course. Yeah. There you go. Right, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, mm. I do want to talk about your books because there are so blimmin' many of them, Jenny. Yeah. So, no. um, flirty dancing was your debut. Yes. Soon to be renamed. Oh, what's it going to do be? Do you renamed? know that that might be a secret? Okay. Okay. So, well, there you go. <laughs> we can leave it there. No, yeah. I think that's okay. I'm not going to say any more than that, but I'm very excited because they're having a little, there is yeah. going to be something quite cool happening with those first four books. Fantastic. So, yes, that was, they, they, they were my, I, my first book is about a teenage, a very shy, awkward teenage girl. I wonder who inspired her. And she, her friends, they announced that there's going to be a big TV dance contest and you can dance in any style, in groups on your own. And her so-called best friend quickly gets into a group with some Out. much cooler girls. And um, Oh, uh, I feel like then, this happened to me. This feels mm, very familiar. Well, and then this really did happen to me. I used to quite often get home from school and find out that my nan was in my bedroom. She would come and stay for quite long periods of time, usually to look after us if my mum and dad were busy or something. And she was a larger than life character. And I can remember once only realising she'd come to stay in my room when I was up there pottering around. And I noticed that her teeth were in a glass of water oh. by my bed. <laughs> <laughs> and then I noticed all these other signs like loads of talcum powder and the smell of roses. And Nan's here. So she, her nan's moved into her bedroom and she signs her up for jive lessons. Oh, and, brilliant. And that's a partner dance. So she has to face that. But I learned to jive as an adult and absolutely loved it. And I wanted... I thought there was com comic potential in the idea of a teenager who, whose aim in life is to not be put in any embarrassing situations, especially with a boy if they're very shy, having to be because it's a partner dance and so on. Oh, brilliant! That is brilliant. I love that. Um, and so, what was so that so that all came from attending that. Um, that writing festival no right? I don't the idea actually just landed in my head like and I think it's the only time it's happened and I, I think this is well no that's not true I think you get I don't know about you but I definitely get uh, you know during the course of the day probably several ideas I think might be book worthy but then every now and then you get one which feels extra good and and it kind of falls slightly fully formed doesn't it sometimes they change a lot but this definitely came into my head fully formed and this idea of the whole plot and I actually I wrote it took me eight years between starting to write it and getting it published wow. and yeah I, I but I took myself quite seriously so I'd been traveling with my husband we stopped teaching and then we came back and we got jobs straight away back at the same schools we'd been at but I went back three days a week so this is quite a big statement so I was going to write my book that was my plan. So I didn't go back there were two days a week for one term when I didn't teach and I wrote the book and I did write it in that time. And I also, I can't actually work out the timeline for all this, but I also was pregnant. And I, when I was nine months pregnant, I waddled to the post box because in those days it was so long ago, you used to post manuscripts <laughs> and I posted yeah. it and it was my due date and I thought this is going to be great I can't believe I'm going to have a baby and a book published in the same year <laughs> and um and then I think I sent it to seven people and I heard back from three of them or maybe I sent it to, I'm not sure but I just got 
two rejections, I think. And then I just thought, oh, how embarrassing. I can't believe I ever thought I could do that. And I got on with the business of having children. But my mum kept saying to me, as mums do, oh, I loved your dancing story, Jenny. What about your dancing story? And so when my children were then about four and one, I resurrected, I got it out. And what was fascinating was because four years had passed, I could see straight away why it wasn't good enough. I could see, right. I see that there were bits that were quite good. Yeah. But it was, you know, I was, I, I was, I wasn't fast enough, wasn't pacey enough. The humour wasn't sharp enough. Um, it was overwritten. I wrote it in the past tense and I thought it would be better in the first tense. So I, I then went and with at each stage, I got a lot more um, focused on what I was doing. So I got, got all the books out of the library that had what I thought would be similar jackets to mine. And I read them. I thought, why are they better than mine? And what's the difference? And obviously I didn't want to write the same book, but I knew it had to be at least, yeah. it had to be not only as good, it had to either be better or different. So I then went back to it and I turned it into a series so that each book was about one of the girls in the friendship group. And that was another bit of a eureka moment when I realised that these different stories I had in my head actually all fitted together. And that's the only yes. time in my life I've actually got out of bed to write something down, actually. And then <laughs> Amazing. I worked, worked on it. And I love that aspect of writing. You think that something's great. <laughs> and, you, and then usually the next day you realise it isn't. But, but you can get it better and better and better. And yeah. I absolutely love that. And I sometimes wonder if people who... Um, sometimes I've been sent things for people who write to have a look at. And I can see that it's good, but is that one of those first stages and you've got to go through a few more rounds of lifting yeah. it higher and higher. And I then got told by my good friend, Helen Dennis, who's a children's author. Who I'm, I, she wasn't my good friend then. I just, my mum pointed her out at a wedding and said, that lady over there's got six books that have been published and she should go and talk to her. She was a teacher as well in Eastbourne where I live. So I did. And she said that she'd been to Winchester Writers Festival, which is like... Uh, it still exists but in a slightly different form and it was like speed dating for wannabe authors and you paid to go and have one-to-one -one meetings with um with editors and sometimes authors of course everyone wanted the editors and the agents but you could also see authors <laughs> but they'll only let you have so many editors and agents so you get 10 minutes and they ask for things in advance different things so they might have asked for three chapters of the whole synopsis and then you sit down opposite them. And can you imagine how nervous I felt? Yeah. Because I had never shown anyone except a few girls in my in year 10 at my school. Year 9, I hadn't shown anyone my writing since then, since that initial. And, and, sit and sitting there in front of them, you know, like this. I, I, think I find it one thing to receive feedback in an email where you can kind of go, ah, I don't know if I believe this. And then you've got time to stew. Yeah. But I, I worry about what my face would do, <laughs> like it's, to receive live feedback, you know? It's like that emotion when you go bowling and it just goes straight down the gully and you have to turn around and fix okay. a smile on your face. Oh, Grin. Try, try again. Um, well, I decided, I, I knew it was going to be potentially tough, but I did, thought I'm a busy person. I don't want to waste. If all the people I see today say no, it's not whatever, there's something wrong with it, I'll either... I might not give up, but I think I thought that would be a bit nice, quick way to do it. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah. And I 
I prepared as it was my wedding day. I shaved my legs. Uh, <laughs> I got some new shoes, red shoes. And um, and then Had the rehearsal first... dinner. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, I took. We, I met up my friend, a teacher friend, was there too, and my sister. We all went, and and then the first editor I sat down with said, um, "I loved your book, and I'd like to work on it with you." Wow! Wow! <laughs> so, I, I'm so just and then did you just off my throw, throw the confetti out of your Woo! bag? <laughs> just <laughs> went around high fiving everyone. <laughs> So I had oh, amazing. one of the best days of my life because then I was obviously at those events. There's the people who've had good news and the people who've had bad news. Yeah. <laughs> I was in the camp yeah. of, and they have people around to help you. You know, I, people who've, who who have, but it was really the luck of the draw that I sat down opposite her first of all. And that changed everything because I was then able to go to every other person I saw and say, oh, um, the editor at, mm-mm, is interested in working on this book. And of course, if you say that to an agent, it changes, it changes uh, everything. Because yeah. <laughs> I did, I actually held, I did see one agent there, two agents, one who became my agent and another. And she launched into a pretty um, full on critique of my book and said she didn't like it being a TV dance contest or should just be set in school. Maybe she'd consider it if I did this, this and this, but wasn't really. And I honestly, it was one of the most enjoyable moments of my life. I was just sitting there. The things, and then I said, "Oh, it's interesting because I spoke to, and I mentioned this in the editor, and she went, oh, no, I actually think it's probably okay as it is.' Actually, <laughs> oh, how I learned, I learned all about the publishing industry in one day. Well, over yeah. the course of that, because here's the mad thing: she was really into my the the um, editor was so into my book. She told me she wanted the whole manuscript, what she wanted to do me to do with it before she, I sent it, what she envisaged the cover being like, the title, the time scale of publication. Wow. Which is she fell quite, in love with it. She yeah. did. But I sent it to her and never heard from her again. No. <laughs> yeah. No. But on the back of her high, you know, her confident, yeah. I was then able to get a brilliant agent. Because yes. I saw Julia Churchill talking at the festival and then had my confidence levels just shot up and I was able to, you know, and I, and I sent the manuscript to her after the festival and she became my agent and t- took everything over from me so I didn't need to worry I mean, about. it's Yeah, I mean, it's, it's very unusual for an editor to, to make those kinds of plans and scheme, you know. A little unprofessional maybe. A little. If, you're, if you're not going to if you're not going to... highly unusual um, <laughs> because but then you're so vulnerable in that position that yeah. words like that you take I think it's I, I always quote this wrongly so I should learn this quote but as Yates says I've spread my dreams at your feet to tread lightly because you're walking on my dreams yes 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 yeah <laughs> But then, yes, and then then you never heard from her again. Oh, my goodness. Yes, take take a moment. I just swallowed a fly. (laughs) Oh! (laughs) Um, What do you have to have next? You need to have a spider and then a cat, is it? Um, I'm going with tea, first of all. (laughs) And then we'll end with the horse and see if It's because I've got lots of houseplants and they have these little tiny black flies. This is actually a hazard. I, I, I do swallow quite a few of them. So I breathe yeah, in quickly. You are handling it very well, but take a minute. Uh, take a minute. There we go. All done. Are you sure you're yes, okay? Yes. 
And there's another little moral from the Winchester story, which is at the end of the day, the I was supposed to see the editor at HarperCollins for a one-to-one, but because someone had dropped out, she was having to do an event with Julia Churchill, who became my agent, and Sarah Lean, the author, brilliant author. And I went, it had been such a long day, and I had to drive back to Eastbourne, and and the and the organiser said, I'm very sorry, you can't see her because she's doing the event, so what you need to do is just go and watch the event, then afterwards go and tell her who you are and ask if you can have your one-to-one then. And oh I, said, goodness, I said, honestly, I, I can't do that. It was so out of my comfort zone in terms of yeah. putting myself forwards, and I was tired. And she said, she, she held my arm and she said, if you want to become an author, you need to do that. <laughs> oh, <laughs> I think she was saying that you need to take every opportunity and that comes your way. And so I did. And it was a she was she was right. I did make myself go and talk to Lizzie at the end. And she was very nice about it. But the most important thing was I saw Julia and then she became my agent. Wow. Amazing. OK. And so then that led to your first your debut which was part of a series what was that like to jump from you know working on one story and clearly you had that vision very strongly for the series but uh, yeah I imagine that would you know it'd feel like a big undertaking to go to 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 a four Mm. series books well it was I amazingly I had I went from being at Winchester Festival to and I even had this little fantasy when I was listening to Julia talk. I, you know, you've got to have a big imagination, haven't you, to be a writer? And I thought, oh, imagine if, oh, I like her. Imagine if she was my agent. And next year I was doing one of these talks with her about my book that's been published. Like, <laughs> and it happened. One ah! year later, I was back <laughs> with my book. <laughs> she was at Winchester. Absolutely amazing. Well, it wasn't, unner- it was unnerving because I got a four book deal and they said, and it was, it was lovely because Julia took me around London and we visited four different publishers. So it went to auction and I believe that's the correct term. And they, um, it just in the course of one day, and when I went to Bloomsbury, who published the book, they said, how long do you think it would take for you to write the second book in the series? And obviously I wanted to appear to be, I wanted to be very appealing to them. So I went six months. Um, but at wow, that time, yeah. I was um, head of English at a massive secondary school in Sixth Form College and had two children, one of Whoa, whom was yeah. about two. Oh <laughs> and I then goodness. had to write a book in six months whilst making sure all the hundreds of children sat their exams and so on. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> was, wow. How did challenging. you do that? Well, I... I had a big carrot dangling at the end of it, which was I knew that I got such a good deal that I knew I'd be able to stop teaching if when the books came out. So I knew that, and I wanted to do that because I wanted to spend more time with, that was one of the things that had been pushing me onwards as well, wanting to, I love teaching, but it's exhausting and I needed, I wanted to break and I wanted to spend more time with my children. And so ironically, it meant I had to spend less time with them for a while. So I would go every Sunday to my mum and dad's house, which is, five minute walk away and I'd sit there until I'd written a certain thousands of words and then I'd come home so I wrote it mainly on Sundays and actually that that second book which is called Love Bomb it 
I, it is the book that has, that has felt most natural to me to write. It was an, a, a dream. I, I think I actually think the books have become harder to write for me, but that book, it came out, you know, so beautifully. I loved it. Right, the process of writing it, and I do really love the book as well. I can't. I think I'm allowed to say that, aren't I? Yeah, you definitely are. <laughs> and then I wrote, yeah, I wrote six books for for teenagers. Well, it's called Clean Teen, the genre. So you could reread them about 11 up um, before I moved over to writing fantasy books. And yeah, and so we're having a bit of a whistle stop tour. I know, I know. It's okay, but cause I almost yeah, feel like... You, um, this is what you want. I don't want to... No, you know, yeah, this is great. To... I, I feel like with it, I've, I, I've mentioned this on some previous episodes, so it's almost every time I interview someone, I'm like, I'm going to have to get back get them back on <laughs> just can't wait to speak to them again um but I'm also yeah I don't want to rush it but also I'm aware it's lovely to hear of this sort of journey because you've just done you've worked in you know in different in different genres you started off in teens so then talk mm. yeah could you tell us about that move into fantasy was that the land of raw is that that yeah. series that was the was it again yeah. it just came from that idea or did you well this I think this is a really interesting illustration of how books can go on very strange journeys to get to the, the final book. I remember reading about Roald Dahl and Matilda. And when you read Matilda, it feels as though it could never have been any other way, doesn't it? It seems so. Yeah. The character of Matilda is as if she's always... And when he first wrote, sorry if I'm you know all this, but Matilda was a horrible little girl when he first wrote the book. I didn't know this. I didn't know this. <laughs> and it wasn't right. It wasn't right. He worked on I always remember that when I'm having difficult moments. I always think it, this is part of the process. So The Land of Raw actually began life really much more close to the book I've recently written and illustrated, which is called Stink, which is about a boy who accidentally lets an anarchic fairy out of fairyland who then insists on living with him basically but and I was going to write that book and uh, for Bloomsbury and they were very interested in it but they realized that it clashed with another book that another writer was writing which involved a fairy so I had to change the story so actually originally Stink I had, I had Arthur Trout his sister Rose and his granddad and a fairy door but I then, I then this, it was, it was one of those brilliantly, at the time I was quite annoyed because I obviously was really invested in this story about a fairy. Not annoyed isn't the right word, but frustrated. Yeah, yeah. And um, I had a, a, a chat, had a, a meeting with Zoe Griffiths, my lovely editor at Bloomsbury. And she, I talked about the various things I thought I could do with the story. And I mentioned this idea that I'd had. Um, one afternoon talking to my husband on the downs, I'd thought of this, we'd thought of this idea about how funny it would be if children discovered that the fantasy world, a game they used to play when they were little, had actually been real, they'd actually made a world through their game, and that it, the whole world still existed and was waiting for them to come back, and that they would all be on the cusp of growing up, so 11 years old, and feeling like they were becoming quite grown up, but the world was as it had been when they made it, when they were five or six and would just be full of, a bit like we were talking about the workshops, full of all those things that yes. children will make up in a game in seconds, but they then have to live with the consequences because they've made this. And she said to me, well, that's, 
I said, I'm a bit unnerved because I'll have to invent a fantasy world. It's obviously a lot more involved. And she said, I, she said she thought that it was, but that it would be a great book. So yeah. that's and the book I wrote right. in the end. She was right. Yeah. So sometimes, and I quite like that way that sometimes the more challenging um, projects become the most rewarding. Sometimes they don't, but sometimes they do. Well, it's a testament to that conversation and that, collaboration with your editor that mm. it went in that direction doesn't it? you know and that yeah yeah and then and then obviously you know stink was waiting in the wings um mm. all that time but how how did you find the challenge of creating the fantasy world and all well, of that I, world building it then didn't fit in the book i then came up with didn't fit in with a book that bloomsbury wanted from me next so i actually decided with my agent that I was going to write The Land of Raw without a contract. So that was quite unnerving. So I, in a way, took a year out of knowing that I was going to be paid for the book. But my agent had such confidence in the idea yes. yeah. that whenever I had a wobble, she'd just say, oh, I love it. I love it. This is great. Keep going. Keep going. So it was the hardest part was I love writing in the first person present tense. Now I've heard a few people deriding it. I don't know why, and I've not got the nerve to ask them what's why is it considered uh um an inferior voice? Do you know? I don't know why. I know people do. I think I feel like it's because I don't know, it feels maybe it's too simple or sometimes people feel too grated by kind of I, I, I. I don't you know, this, maybe. this isn't a very yeah. <laughs> a technical reason. But yes, I know, I, I hear that too. And I, I love writing first person narrative present tense. It's my absolute preference. Just that I believe yeah. it's actually quite challenging <laughs> because you don't have the the fallback of a narrator who can smooth things over and can yes, neatly yes. explain. So you have to do everything economically, but through the thoughts and words of a child narrator in those, our case. Um, so that was the biggest challenge was when Arthur goes into the land of raw and discovers this fantasy world is real until this point in the book, it's felt like a very, realistic world with um, Claire's accessories and pizzas and I, I wanted it to feel like a real world and so when he goes in crawls through a folding camp bed in his granddad's attic and ends up in another world it's obviously if you're writing the first person you're going to be your mind would be blown yeah <laughs> and, and so <laughs> That was, and then I realised, you know, then I kept going back and reading things like The Lion, the Witch and the Wardrobe and, you know, they get some page three or something they go through. And if you've got a narrator, you can just say, you know, I could have said, Arthur was amazed by what he saw, but he quickly picked himself up. <laughs> you can't do that when you're writing in the first person. So that yeah. was the biggest challenge, keeping the voice I love writing in. I love writing in it. I'm proud. And also writing a fantasy because I don't think you get quite as many I think you get a lot I don't think many fantasy books are written using that voice be interesting to find out I try to I, I guess this is why 
Are you having a yes. think? Yeah. I'm looking at a woman thinking. <laughs> <laughs> but, I know. I'm trying. Yeah, I'm trying to. I'm trying to pull out any titles of my head. But I, uh, as always, I like. I always feel so awful when um, you know. Even when well, someone asks me something very basic, I can't even remember uh, anything. Fantasy stories quite often have a very confident narrator, don't they? Who yes, and will you know, make you believe in this fantasy world. Yes, and you can sort of, and yeah, I yeah, I can't think I can't think of any. But I'm sure I'm sure there are some out there. But I can I can see why that was a massive challenge. And I can see how with third person you can, you know, you can swift you can swiftly world build by just you know a few lines of description. Mm. And um, I, I can only use words that Arthur would use. Yes, you know, I, yes, I love. Of course. I, I wonder sometimes. I wonder if people know I know these other words. <laughs> yeah i know and so I often it's on purpose yeah i know because it's you, know, you put a word in and i say i well you know quite often i'll if i'm first especially first drafting you know i just turning it out and then mm. if i'm sharing it early i'll say they'll have you know do you think they'll use this word i'm like nope they wouldn't they wouldn't and there's use only this so word. many narrators who you can claim don't have mobile phones and love reading so much that they've developed a wide vocabulary aren't they? yeah have this extraordinary <laughs> vocab <laughs> yeah um okay so then and then came dead good detectives is that correct yes um and that's like my research a, on you yeah it's very good this is um, your book life yes my book life dead good detectives um this, I suppose, is a little bit like raw reversed in that the fantasy world comes into the real world. And I, again, this this began, you have this idea, and I was in Dorset camping and we visited what, no, somebody came back to the campsite and we visited a pirate graveyard, supposed pirate graveyard, and a lot of the graves have skulls and crossbones on them. And we got told it's because pirates were buried there, a ship had sunk, and they didn't know the names of the crew, so they buried them there and the skull and crossbones. Now I say it out loud, I'm surprised I didn't realise it wasn't true at the time. But I then we packed up our tent, drove home. And on the journey home, I just thought how great it would be if... Uh, I love graveyards, by the way. So a little, a little girl, I mean, she's not young, but she's physically little. I don't know why that was important. I was when I was at school goes into a graveyard and does a little ritual. You know how you, how much you're into rituals and things when you're younger and trying to make do spells and, make again, make magic happen? In the book, actually, she does it by accident in the end. But she then accidentally sets a huge pirate ghost free from the dead who then needs her help to help him find some lost treasure. And I just liked the contrast of a, of a girl who's trying to avoid any drawing attention to herself in any way, having to cope with a gigantic pirate ghost who's coming to school with her and no one else can see him. <laughs> <clears throat> I found ghosts really funny and it's nice that I get to say this officially. Uh, I had this idea before ghosts came out on TV, <laughs> but at the time I didn't think, oh, people will think I'm ripping it off. I thought, yes, I was right. Ghosts are really funny. I'm really pleased. That other you were the zeitgeist. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> and um, then when the book developed, the little girl discovers that in this grave, this there is a, a place called the Halfway House and it's a ghostly tavern hidden in plain sight in the graveyard and it's full of ghosts who are all trapped in this, sort of, they don't know why, in this, in this ghostly pub and they need the little girl's help. They've all got unfinished business and she has to help them. 
to be free and there's a sinister innkeeper and uh yeah i ah. loved writing it i put in all the things i love seaside towns model villages storms islands <laughs> islands with abandoned houses on them uh witches you know everything ice cream parlors <laughs> i like that way of thinking of it as well like you know what are my favorite things like coming mm. coming out from there or making sure that it's 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 um yeah those stories are just packed with those parts those things that you like that make you you that then make mm. that story original um i love the sound of that what a great quest okay last stop of the tour yeah. your rebirth as an author illustrator this is yeah. so, my ambition is realized yes your ambition is realized you help you're holding that book so all that drawing yeah. all that drawing from when you were younger we met when I was just before it was published didn't we yes and yes. I was so excited I mean you could probably tell could you tell could <laughs> how tell. excited I was about it oh, well we were all, we were all so excited for you because we'd we'd met at um it was an apple door and yeah. we were all, all a group of authors getting together to just do lots and lots of school events for apple door festival and it felt, um, I remember, I think it was Joe Coelho saying, oh, you know what Jen's doing? Like, what? <laughs> <laughs> and um, at that point, I was working on my illustrations. So it was just so, and anyway, I was still still plodding away with it. So it was just so inspiring to hear that you were, that your book was about to come out and that you'd, yeah, that you'd, that you'd, you'd, you'd done all the illustrations for it. You'd, I mean, what do you, I, I've heard different terms for it, integrated fiction, illustrated younger fiction i know illustrated I, I younger middle to. grade they need yeah. a word for it don't they they do because it's such um i mean those books are so popular um and you did such a fantastic job and you were so kind to then tell me talk to me about how you how you done it and and your process and it was i'm just, keen to you know, share the I, I it was a similar moment to the writing moment when i realized that there wasn't actually a magic wand that some people have this gift and some people don't but that work actually uh, Ben Mantle who was the illustrator for the Land of Raw he said something similar to me when I was I was sitting next to him watching him draw at an event we were doing and I, I'd mentioned that I didn't do art because I, I didn't think I was good enough and he said that he had the same feeling that he wasn't perhaps the best in his I don't know if it was a level or degree I can't remember what point he was talking at but he did say he worked extremely hard and yeah, that's how yeah. he became so brilliant. And I found that really inspiring that again, it's yeah. hard work is the key. And I, and I didn't, you know, I, I know that, I, I know that there are people who could, who can draw much better than I can draw, but I do think that I was probably the best person to draw the pictures for Stink. Well, yeah, and absolutely. I think the, the beauty of those books is the, you know that relationship between text and image and I think one thing I remember you saying to me then was how you know you could see so quickly that you wanted images to be working on you know almost every page um and so you had to do that because it, you know if you went to a publisher mm. saying this is what I want I want to have this here this here this here this here they'd probably say oh, well uh, that sounds expensive yeah <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah so you so was it when working with Ben at the Land of Raw that made you, you know, you talked about that moment of him saying working extremely hard. When was it when you thought, I'm going well, to try? I So I tinkered on and off for a long time. I, but the problem was I, I knew I never, 
I didn't have time to get as good as I knew I needed to be to suggest to my publishers or my agent, I want to illustrate it without them laughing at me. But they wouldn't have laughed at me. They'd been really polite, but laughing at me behind my back. So I knew I had to get to a certain point and I knew I wasn't quite good enough at the moment. I could draw a one-off picture that people would go, oh, wow, that's good. But with illustration, you have to be able to draw that character again and again in different poses and it has to look the same. So... I didn't really know how to do it because I kept practicing. You know, I'd have an hour on a Sunday when the, my children were sitting around and I'd sit down and think, right, I'm going to make myself better at illustration. And it was always so disheartening because I knew the progress. I was imagining some point when I retired, maybe I could do it then. And then lockdown happened. And I didn't have extra time because I had to write a book and sit next to my daughter when she did her all her live lessons because she didn't like them. But... One of my daughter, my older daughter, wanted a pen for the iPad, to draw on the iPad. And she'd heard about this program called Procreate. So I gave her, I said that I would pay her for doing little jobs and she could have, she could work, get enough money to buy the pen. And <clears throat> it was an idea from uh, Diary of a Wimpy Kid where she has mum bucks. <laughs> mum bucks. Where you, earn, she, you have jobs to do. My jobs were things like unload the dishwasher 20p and... So she wanted a pen so badly that she did enough of these jobs to raise a hundred pounds. So it was like I had no pair. It was absolutely brilliant. You know, I just re <laughs> I realized I was thirsty and I could say, please will you make me a cup of tea for 10p? <laughs> <laughs> and she was so motivated. And then the second this pen arrived and she charged it and she used it and she said, oh, mom, it's brilliant, have a go. And I used this pen using Procreate and it was amazing. I, th I assumed there'd be a lag, that it was, it was just like writing. I think I said, if I'd known it was this good, I'd have just bought one. Thinking <laughs> <laughs> so, back to all those times you were like, oh, I need to know, yeah, my, my socks, I need to change my socks. Uh, yes. 5p for socks? Run, <laughs> run me a bar. <laughs> the job she would never do is picking up dog poo. That was the one job. There was a list of jobs on the fridge that she could do, and that was one of them. So I still had to always do that, which is fair enough. Wow. Even yeah. if, even when I raised the price, she was not interested. <laughs> um, and what Procreate and drawing on an iPad allowed me to do was get better much quicker. And because you can move images and put them underneath images, I could do things like... Um, make sure the eyes were roughly the same size, make sure the height is roughly right. And I could, if I knew that something was wrong about a picture, I didn't need to redraw the whole picture. I could just redraw the mouth yes, again and yeah. again and again and again. So yeah. then I, my, then my drawing sort of started getting a lot better, much quicker. And I tried to draw a few illustrations for the book and I realized that they were good enough. I didn't know if I could replicate it for the whole book, but that didn't stop me from sending the book off with the pictures to my agent and saying, I think my, my phrase, yeah, my phrasing was, oh, I, you know, this is a sort of illustration I'm imagining. And I said, oh, actually, I'm going to be honest, I would like to illustrate it. And when I say I would like to, I mean, it's my life's dream. <laughs> <laughs> so, P.S., <laughs> tread softly. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Oh. <laughs> yeah, and uh, luckily they they did agree to let me illustrate oh. it. It's, it's it's a very time consuming but hugely pleasurable thing to I do. I mean, because... your drawings are brilliant. They are fantastic Thank you. and just you know absolutely 
perfect for the story and for you know for, you know i could just imagine readers loving them um but yeah it's it's so really inspiring to hear how you kind of turbo how yeah how long did that process take you from from when, well when the pen arrived to um sending that email <laughs> i mean i probably a couple few months probably three or four months that's not very that's long at all quickly. but in terms yeah. of like drawing all the illustrations for the book it's certainly not the best financial decision illustrating my own book I would say but it's one that's given me a lot of pleasure yeah and I'm not willing to to quit yet it's actually Stinker's getting a has had his name changed had a makeover so the book is going to when the second book is published I wanted to call the second book um, fairy versus wizard and so we decided to rejacket so the second book fairy versus wizard so we're rejacting the first book and calling it fairy versus boy ah so nice it's, stink, it's nice yeah. isn't it i really yeah. i really like it and we're it's, it's going to look a little bit different so one of those interesting aspects of right publishing where it's a, it's a the journey doesn't end when the book's published but yes yeah oh fantastic but no it did so you have you delivered your second book? For mm, the... I have, and and done the pictures. And wow! I think the you know they do get better. So it's quite fun to look at my pictures from the start of Stink, and then look at them at the end of the book. <laughs> They've clearly got better. I clearly learned <laughs> how to draw as I was drawing. Um, is that hard do you because I, I I mean I find it really hard still to read even when I have to do a reading. And I think, oh, actually, I don't know. You know, sometimes I'm like, oh, yeah, this is good. And then other parts, I'm like, oh, I shouldn't have repeated that word. Or I know. I think um, that, um, I think with most of my books, I don't think, I, I actually, you know, I can say confidently that I've never, I've always known that at that point in time, I did the best I possibly could. Yes. At that point with, while time, still having a yeah. family. Love yeah me. yeah so true um so yeah i i i do know that is a, that is as good as i could possibly get and i guess that's all you can tr hope to do isn't it exactly yes that's true that's all you can hope yeah um oh thank you so much jenny that's just been so brilliant to hear you've just um yeah you've given given us such a a lovely um picture of you and also just tons of advice um i'm just going to take I do think I'm just going to write up work extremely hard put that on my desk <laughs> and then underneath it but you know but have a but remember you want your family to like you yeah <laughs> at the end of it do you I actually sometimes put on to inspire me Britney Spears I can't say the title of the song because it's got a rude word in it you've got to work bleep <laughs> do you know do you know the song I don't think I. I think I've lost okay. a lot. I've lost a lot after. Um, well, you, lost a lot of memory after my when, firstborn, and I'm... when we when we finished, <laughs> listen to that song, and that's okay. that's like like Rocky listening to Eye of the Tiger. When I feel my energy flagging, I listen to that, and I sometimes dance. I was going to whisper really close to your ear, but then I realised that doesn't work. Sometimes <laughs> I do dance around to it, and then I get back. to back to it because it's hard to sit and write all day isn't it I'm sorry you're winding up Polly and I've just gone and ruined no, your lovely ending no 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 because this is good this is a good place to end because um yeah work hard and move this is just yeah, mm, yeah get up and dance get up and dance get up and dance yeah. 
thank you so much jenny it's been, oh, it's great been absolutely to lovely talk to you a, a pleasure as always so oh. and we'll have to have another big old chat won't we about illustrations soon yes please yes please all right Watch thank you know so how much it's all going thank oh, you yeah <laughs> not, not yeah still working <laughs> still working on it but thank you thank you Ah, oh, Jenny McLaughlin, amazing woman. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if by the next time I talk to her, she will have already moved into writing in another five genres. I would not be surprised at all. Um, so, uh, she, yeah, tons to take away from that chat. I kept thinking about lots of the things that we spoke about after our conversation. Um, and, yeah, I'm going to crack on with my illustration. She's she's a very inspiring presence and energy so I hope that uh, you got some of that to carry into your writing if you're a writer too all right all the best thanks so much for listening bye mm-hmm.